Restaurant Unstoppable episode 614 with Sarah and Paul Burden. Our obsession with quality is what we think makes our burger better and the ingredients that we put in it. And if we can make our own bun, then it's our own thing. If we can be the only guys in the state that make everything. I mean, we make everything except ketchup and mustard. And we do make a ketchup, but we have regular ketchup because that makes people panic. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. I'm sure you've heard of Revel, but have you heard of the Revel Advantage? It is the payment processing solution that seamlessly integrates into your Revel point of sale and platform to create a complete system tailored to your business needs. Revel manages both your POS and your payments with integrated software, hardware, and credit card processing to save you time and money so you can focus on your business. Learn more at revelsystems.com slash unstoppable. Here is a statistic for you. 89% of all guests will research a restaurant online before dining out. So you've got to start thinking about how you can extend your in-house hospitality and attention to detail to the online world. Bento Box is a great place to start. They will develop a restaurant website that not only leaves lasting impressions with your guests, but also provides hospitality-focused tools that are proven to drive revenue online and guests into your restaurant. Sign up today at Get bento.com slash unstoppable and save up to $1,500 on initial setup for your new restaurant website. Get on it. Everybody loves payday. Am I right? But loving your payroll provider, that's a different story. It's a little weird. Still, small businesses across the country love running payroll with Gusto. Gusto automatically files and pays your taxes. It's super easy to use, and you can add benefits and HR support to help take care of your team and keep your business safe. It's loyal, it's modern, and who knows, you might even fall in love. To learn more, head over to gusto.com slash unstoppable. And when you run your first payroll, you'll get your first three months free. Again, that's gusto.com slash unstoppable. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Sarah and Paul Buff Burden. Are you two feeling unstoppable today? Yes. Unstoppable. Absolutely. I'm pumped to have Sounds you here. Sounds good. Thank Cannot you for having us. to get into your story. Uh, so husband and wife, Sarah and Paul Buff Burden, had a dream of one day opening a, bur- a burger joint that had an emphasis on local, natural, and sustainable ingredients. Paul originating from the UK and Sarah, a native of Houston, knew Texas was the place to pull it off. So they packed up and moved south to Sarah's hometown. And in March of 2015, Buff Burger uh, a gourmet, fast, casual burger restaurant was born. Almost four years later, they've scaled the concept to three locations. You guys are doing great. I cannot wait to dive into your story, but let's get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quote or mantra. What do you got for us? Um, just balls to the wall. Balls just, to the wall. <laughs> just keep going. Yeah. Yes. Uh, dive into that and really explain how that, that success quote, uh, balls to the wall, really resonates with you. <laughs> Um, I think restaurants are it's super exciting to get into, but it's also very terrifying, and there's no other option than to just keep going. Yeah, forward. absolutely. <laughs> it's focus on the future. Put your nose down and, and yes. uh, bust it out. So, Paul, what about you? Any any reflection on that, that quote and how it resonates with you? Yeah, it's just one of those industries. Every day you've got to be um, – got to keep moving, got to keep going, and uh, it's, it's, it's a business that's open from – we're open for breakfast as well, so – 6 a.m. all the way through to midnight when we close. It's just one of those businesses you've got to yeah. keep going. So, Absolutely. So let's go to where it all started for you. I did a little bit of research. I saw that you guys were uh, ski instructors before this. Did either of you have any restaurant experience at all before deciding to open your own restaurant? Not really. That's crazy. I've never worked in a restaurant <laughs> at all. Yeah. Buff had, you know, you'd worked in bars well, I mean, and restaurants, yeah. but not in any huge capacity no so where yeah. did this, this drive come from to uh want to open a restaurant like like or even like the the uh the mentality that you would be able to pull it off not a clue we'd be able to pull it off <laughs> but kind of out of necessity so we had met we were ski instructors buff had been traveling we met and went traveling the summer after um 
we met. And we were in New Zealand. There were all these gourmet burger joints popping up in New Zealand while we were there. And we kind of started talking, like, what are we going to do? I mean, we're getting a little bit older. Buff had been traveling, didn't go to college. I wasn't really sure what I was going to do. And that's where we kind of, that's the first time we kind of started thinking about maybe we want to do a restaurant. And then it took quite a few more years of talking about it and trying to figure out what we were going to do. Well, basically, no one else was going to employ me, so I yeah, kind of had we to. we didn't really have another plan. <laughs> yeah. I got you. So, uh, I'm just blows my mind because I know during like 2015 or 2013, 2014, during this time, it was not easy to get a business loan for a restaurant. So, uh, I mean, before we kind of dive into how you guys pulled it off, any key influencers, any key mentors, any key people that you think uh, influenced you to be to be able to pull it off? Yeah, absolutely. When we worked in Colorado, we were sort of surrounded by incredibly successful people. And we, um, I got really heavily into business at that stage and okay. met some um, you know, truly inspirational people, really. Entrepreneurs. Um, yeah. I mean... Seriously, seriously uh, successful guys. So people that I'll never get to. <laughs> how did you meet these people? Like, how did teach you teach them to ski? Teach them to ski. Teach okay. their kids to ski. So, what would, what would it be like if you met somebody for the first time and would you just ask them questions about who they were, what their life was all about? Like, how did you find out who these people were? Well, we got to know them year after year. We taught the same same people, same yeah. kids. Yeah. So we got to know them very well. We, you know, they invite us to do different things and became friends with them basically. I don't know if there's one person. We definitely, when you teach, we both taught kids. So when you teach kids. You get to know their parents. You get to know their parents a lot more. And they are excited if their kids like you. And then we would just create these relationships over the seasons. And we would go out to dinner or, you know, hang out with them. And at that point, I think they really love talking about. Yeah. Or entrepreneurs love talking about themselves anyway. Yeah, absolutely. So if you ask them lots of questions, um, you know. They're happy, and I think Buff really got into like, what are we going to do in business? And that's, I mean, obviously has an entrepreneur, you know, bone in his body. So he was always interested, and they were always willing to kind of give all kinds of information. I got you. So Buff, uh, do you prefer I call you Buff or Paul? Buff's good. Buff's yeah. good. Okay. Yeah. I've I never called it. him Paul. <laughs> At our wedding, I was like, do I have to say Paul? He's like, yes, my parents are here. <laughs> so. Pick one of these these mentors, one of these influencers you had, and really reflect on how they influenced you and how, and how they set you up for success. I remember, I remember I'll give you a story. Um, I remember I was right on the chairlift with uh, a guy to the left of me who was worth a billion and a guy to the right of me that was <laughs> worth three billion. And uh, it was during the, 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 the financial crash when, when I was with them and they were both just sitting across the chairlift and I was sitting in the middle of them and they were... Sort of talking across me, and uh, they were just watching what was going on on their phones. And then suddenly, I didn't see them again for the rest of their two-week vacation. And they they jetted, and you know, it was just it was just one of those really interesting sort of times in my life where I realised that um, uh, you know the, the the power of business and, and, and um, how much, even though these guys' businesses were going to, almost going down the tubes at that time, because one of them was a uh, um, his well, his grandfather founded the New York Stock Exchange. Oh so, wow! Yeah, I mean they were pretty big cheeses, and uh, they, um, you know, they were their, their lives revolved around everything they did, and in my life was just all about enjoyment at that stage. So I think that was pretty profound in my life, realizing that uh, there was an awful lot more to life than just being a ski bummer. Yeah, right. <laughs> was there one? You say you're surrounding yourself with these successful men and women. Was there one person that like that kind of said that you shared your vision with that? They said, okay, well, this is how you're going to do it, and these are the steps you should take. Was there anybody like that in your life, or did you guys just kind of swan dive into trying to figure it out? Yeah, I think there there are a couple of people that we skied with that, was, that were very like, you guys you know, should go do this stuff. My dad's been an entrepreneur my whole life and done quite a few really successful things and a few that didn't work out, and he's very, just try it. I mean, yeah. Oh, well, if it doesn't work, you'll try something else. Yeah, I mean, so I think when we we talked a lot to a lot of people, we were still teaching skiing, and then we moved to Houston. We're like, well, we think we have this idea, and my parents lived here, and my dad was like, okay, go for it. Here's who I know in town. Go talk to them, find out what they think. And it took quite a few years of meeting people and chatting and trying to figure out how are we going to get the money for a restaurant. I mean... You've never done it before. People aren't throwing money at you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> They're I just go, closing doors. I had to exactly. go get a job for three years. Which is why. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so you worked in a restaurant for three when years. We got back when to got Houston. Back to okay. Houston. So you got the money in 2013. When did you get back to Houston? No. So 
Yes, 2013. So we had... I was pregnant, and we were going out to try to find money for Buff Burger. Lots of closed doors. Finally, we found someone who was like, I think I can figure this out. No lie. So we have a baby on November 7th. Real dramatic. I was, like, asleep, knocked out. It, was, it wasn't nice. But <laughs> the next day was great. You come we out of it and in you, the have, hospital, you have a restaurant. Right? <laughs> I'm feeling better. Buff yells, like, oh, shit, at his phone. And I'm like... What's wrong? He's like, oh my god, they just gave us the loan. No one was gonna. No one was supposed to give us a loan. <laughs> so we, no have like, we have like we have like a twelve-hour-old baby. Oh my gosh! And now we have to open a restaurant. Oh my gosh! <laughs> and my thing is, I think it was easy to talk about it. You yeah, know? it was. It, it was just an idea at that stage, and and really, I don't think Sarah and I ever really expected to get the money. Yeah, it was, just a, nice, yeah. It was just a nice little. Like, it was just a nice little. So I really wanted it. But yeah, but I thought everyone's gonna keep saying no. And yeah, they have nothing really have to, to lose by trying. They're not gonna yeah. give it to us. That's oh it. shit! Yeah. And we had they a logo and a name, us. you know. We wrote a bit. We wrote. We wrote a really good business plan and stuff. You know, we took a lot of time um, on the visuals because we realised that the bank wasn't going to give us the money unless they unless they could Visualize. almost feel the restaurant and visualise the restaurant. So, so that's a huge lesson right there. Like, what do you think it was about your business plan uh, that got you the loan with having no prior experience, no uh, buddy on your team with prior experience, yeah. and uh, and this is your first business. All together as yeah. a couple, right? I mean, I'm not trying to like paint like the picture. Like, no, it but, is. Like, it's, it's amazing that you pulled it off with with, and you got the loan. Even just getting the loan, yeah, though, yeah, it's not a regular story. No. I mean, it really isn't. And I do yeah. think the visuals. We, ha- I have a really good friend from college that did. I asked him to do some renderings for us, and he actually did a really good job. And I, th- I honestly, one of them mentioned to us later on was that they just helped him visualize what it could kind of look like. I mean, they weren't that detailed. They weren't that exciting. <laughs> but it just gave them a little bit of something to, like, poke in their mind. So so you said it just gave them a little bit of something to poke into their mind? Like, yeah, just like to a, like, Yeah, to see, like, this is what could be. So, I mean, yeah. that's just the power of really uh, taking the time to uh, to, to make that, that business plan as, uh, I don't know, empowerful or impactful as possible. And yes. you said... For you, it's not just the numbers that you have to know, but it's also the visuals. Like, what is this thing going to look like? What's the brand yes. going to be? We had a and logo and a name and colors. You know, we kind of tried to do as much as we could okay. to make it. Well, I think it was, I, honestly, I think that it was it was right place, right time. Yeah. And, you know, when we spoke to the bank after, they said, you don't understand how many people come with a three-page business plan. And, you know, it, it looked good. You know, it looked impressive. And, uh, um, but, I, you know, ultimately... We were incredibly lucky to meet the right bank. I mean, we we took it to the bank. It's like we got, you know, so many no's. Yeah. And then well, that's a good suddenly, point. How many how many times would you say you brought it to a bank and got a no before you got the yes? I mean, we, we we were using all our contacts, all our sort of Sarah's dad's contacts, basically friends of friends of friends of friends, and you know, ten, fifteen, twenty no's. I don't know how many. You know. So it's not like you just like shipped this business plan to one bank and the first bank was like no, yeah sure we'll no. do it no so how did that that business plan evolve over after each no did you guys pivot or adjust did you get any feedback or did no. you keep it the same no we took feedback from the from the meetings but uh we didn't adjust anything we we believed in what we were doing okay um and uh we we felt like it was the right you know the right product i mean the, the, the numbers all worked everything worked so you know if you go over to the bank with a P and L doesn't add up, then you know. <laughs> yeah. Okay. You can't be crazy about it. It's got to. So um, yeah, no. I mean, it was just it was just, honestly the, the our, our um the, the guy that approved the loan um is a big rancher. He's big into it, and a lot of our ethos was that. It was okay. Just, it was right place, right time. I mean, it really was. So you struck a vein with somebody. You resonated, and I'm sure yeah. part of the business plan that you were pitching was that we wanted to source our beef. From local farms yes. and support mm-hmm. local business. Do you think that's kind of maybe what won them over? I think so. I think the fact that we were trying to create kind of more of this Texas brand, knowing him now, probably did resonate with him. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's kind of his thing. Um, and it, it was, you know, other gourmet r- burger joints had already popped up. I mean, we already had, there was Hop Dottie in Austin. We already had um, Smash Burger and that kind of stuff. So, you know, it was already a type of restaurant that was kind of up and coming. So it, that also kind of helped, I think. So there's the trend happening. They saw that you're ahead or like just catching this trend. Yeah. And uh, you could bring the, the burger concept to Houston. Uh, what about your dad? What you, you, 
your dad came up a couple of times. Did he have a does he have a big influence? Does he have a, a good network? Uh, how did he help? Yeah, he definitely has. I mean, he definitely has people for us to go talk to. It wasn't like here's this person, this is going to help you. I mean, we had to go out and really network ourselves. But growing up in Houston, at least there were a lot of people that I could go to for advice. Okay. And then when I did that, they'd be like, you know, I, I have a friend that does commercial real estate. Go see what he thinks about, you know, what might be helpful to put in your business plan and that kind of stuff. Gotcha. So that helps. Um, I think he's just a really positive person. And yeah, I think positive. almost to the fact that, I mean, you can do absolutely anything you want in the entire world, which probably isn't true. <laughs> but it gives you that like... We might as well try. Oh, okay. you have the mentality what else is going to happen? To it, you, you we moved ab- back to Vail and teach skiing, and it's not the worst place to be. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You uh, know, uh, w- one of the things about Sarah's dad is every single person has a comment. You know, when you're, when you, when you're yeah. starting, everybody wants to add their 10 cents worth to, to, to everything you're doing, um, but not necessarily in a positive way, generally yeah. in a negative way. But generally, I'm not saying people don't want you to, to succeed. They want to give you every reason why you might not succeed. And Sarah's dad is the absolute opposite to that. He'll give you every single reason why you should succeed. Mm. And I think that that is incredibly... It was very powerful for me to, to, to have that influence in my life at that time. Do you remember those conversations with her dad and what they, they looked like when he, when he was giving you the reasons why you should succeed? Like, what reasons did he give you? Oh, just he's just he's just very he's a he's a real Texas guy. I mean, if somebody you know, else like, can do it, why so, can't you do it? So he's just yeah. very bullish on the idea of opening businesses in Texas. He wanted his daughter to stay around. I, think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he wants me to like you know, try to take it to England or or you know or to Colorado. So awesome. yeah, it was in know. his benefit to make it work. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> so when did you guys get to Houston? Because you got the loan in 2013. You said you were here. You got a job for how how long were you working in the I restaurant? Think we were for? here three years before three that. Years 2010. And you were working two years in a restaurant three years i was at a restaurant for so when you came back to houston to get a job were you being two, really three times were you being like intentional about where you want to get a job were you going to get a job in some place where you could learn uh, the burger business and take us through that well I, I so i actually bumped into the guy that owned the restaurant when i was working at sun and ski fitting ski boots okay. in houston okay <laughs> and uh he he um his family opened uh second shake franchise um <clears throat> And it was one of those uh, restaurants that has full service. It's open 364 days a year. Has a drive-through, um, it, you know. So it so it sort of it's open 24 hours a day. So it kind of encapsulates sort of every single sort of facet of of, of what we do in the hamburger business. What were, what were the biggest lessons you learned in these three years that helped prepare you for opening your own place? It, really, management skills I think were huge. Um, you know, people are the most um, complicated part of this business. There's yeah. no shadow, no doubt about it. Um, so, learning how to to manage and and, and learning how to um, get the best out of people, I think was, was get was specific. Huge... Like, what's one lesson you learned and how to get the best out of people? Oh man! But when but when you're when you're stuck on the grill for 14 hours that day, you learn to, <laughs> to appreciate. Your yeah, people. that's it. You really do, and you and, and, and you learn how to. Yeah, I mean, you learn how to create. You know. Uh, when your back's against the wall and um, you know that's the thing about Steak and Shake is you know you, sometimes you'd be working with one other guy at three in the morning you know that's uh, it's tough when, yeah. when you know a bunch of stoners come in yeah right and I, I, think it, I think it makes uh, it had a big influence on you the fact that you were working at a uh, franchise operation that your first experience was an experience of high high standards uh, high levels of consistency uh, and having those systems, those processes, be your first impression of what it's like to work in a restaurant. Must at, at a, I mean, you're, you're not a spring chicken at this point. You're like you're a young man. Like you, you, like you're taking it seriously. Like you're looking at the details. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So, what were the details that really stuck with you? That anything you pulled from this this franchise that you're? That- oh, I mean, you know, I, I, I whilst working there, I could hammer down all my numbers and stuff like that. So in the evenings, I would come back and you know work on all those sorts of things and uh, just really just you know ticket you know custom accounts how many numbers i'd need and which to open my business with i mean everything we did every day basically without everything that everybody does every single day as a restaurant manager without but i thought more deeply about everything that i did to to to, to sort of garner the information that i needed to in order to, to to hopefully create a successful sort of you know business model so, any, any other lessons in the early days that are worth uh focusing on uh, or stories you can tell in the early days that are worth focusing on and then we can move on to uh, how you actually pulled it off because you got the loan in 2013 but you didn't open until 2015 
March of 2015, Yes, right? yeah. No, it took us a long time. So we got the money, and they said, okay, now you got to find a spot. Um, and they, they gave us a parameter because they thought that this restaurant would work in this certain area of town. So we went out, and we looked, and there were three spots, and that was it. <laughs> so, okay. And, and the spot we picked is probably, I mean, it's definitely the best out of the three. What but made it, it the best? it just took some time. Um, massive parking. Okay. It's right on I-10, which I'll never get that much parking in another location again, I think, that was mm. really helpful. We picked another spot to begin with, and I'm so glad that that one fell through. Why? It didn't have a lot of parking. Okay. Um, it wasn't as visible, even though they were right across from each other. It's just the way that I-10, how many people see it on the way back, and how many people go underneath the freeway at that I mean, it took us a while to get noticed all the time, but it was great because people could go in and out of our restaurant so quickly. I mean, everybody in Houston drives. Yep. I think that, honestly, I think that really helped us in the beginning. Okay. Well, we shouldn't have got the real estate either. No, we shouldn't have gotten so it, no. Why, did, why shouldn't you have gotten so You don't just turn up and say, I'm going to lease that spot. Yeah. <laughs> they check your finances. They check, yeah. they check your, they look at your business record. We didn't have any of we those. Didn't have, yeah. So what was it that... that did make them bite on letting you be the tenant. I'll tell you, this is a funny story. We have no idea. Oh, I know. I know. <laughs> they, uh, the guy that leased it to us said that, well, I'll lease it to them because in three months' time when they fail, I'll have a nice decorated spot. Oh, okay. So they're That's gonna, why. So they're going to let you put your money into I it I put my money fail. into it for me to he fail. He said that to you? He didn't no. say it to me. He said it to, to somebody else. Oh. So our, 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 our broker. Okay. And uh, mm-hmm. how did that kind of stoke the fire? It stoked the fire. Oh, yeah. I bet. Oh, yeah. Explain how. Like, when you, when you heard this news, what, did, what, what were you thinking? Well, we're naturally competitive. So yeah. okay. the idea of somebody thinking we'll be out of business in three months pissed us off. Yeah, okay. really it pissed us off. And I've never worked in a restaurant. I mean, I think it helped because I didn't have any bad Charles. habits. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, he, he met our toddler. Yeah, yeah. They're running around and he, th- he thinks that he's just going to steal three hundred fifty, four hundred, five hundred thousand dollars Let you do the like build out and then he can ha- sell exactly. it for a turnkey. Yeah, and then he can lease it out to somebody who knows what they're doing. Was kind of the yeah. attitude. You know? Okay, interesting. <laughs> Ooh, so I'm, I'm picking up on the tension yeah. right now. <laughs> uh, it didn't make no, no. Because like, if I met him today, I'd be super nice to the guy. Cause, because, but it definitely helped us want yeah. to push farther. So, what, yeah. were you, what were you doing during that that two and a half year period from getting the loan to? Because you had the business plan, you had yeah. like what was the what was? So then we had to design it. We had to okay. draw it up. We had to architects. I mean, and we're learning on the fly. Um, we definitely had a lot of road humps. Our Loads. architect, yeah. It wasn't. It just took a lot longer than it should. Luckily, I found a contractor that kind of flagged that up for me. I mean, it it, it worked out in the end, but there were just a lot of road humps, and yeah. it felt really. I mean, it's it's difficult. We in never any, perfected it. I mean, like no. the third one still had problems. Lots. Yeah, I mean, it's you know. we designed it ourselves. We didn't have enough money for a designer. We designed um, all three of them ourselves because the thing is, is you think that once you got one successful one, you're in good shape. Well, no, you could be if your stupid husband doesn't decide to go and take on a commissary kitchen at the same time and have to learn all that business Ooh. as well. So you know, what, what, what was the purpose of the commissary kitchen? Was this at the first location? Well, I, so there are so many burger joints around. Um, so we wanted to, you know, if I, have my comm- if I have a commissary kitchen, it's way easier to be able to control quality but also diversify and do all the, all the other things. So we smoke our own bacon. We make, we make everything from scratch. So when did the commissary kitchen come into picture? Was that there think, for the first restaurant? No, or he kind of jumped ahead. Okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I did it before because if, if I had done it later, then I'd have all these pieces of equipment that would be useless that I wouldn't need any of the stores. Okay. And also, it would mean that I'd have to have more space in the back than I require now. Like we don't need any space in the back at all. Basically, all we need is a cook line. Okay. Because we make everything in our commissary and ship, ship it to the store. Okay. I think now's a good time to take a, a, our first break to thank our sponsors, and we'll be right back to talk about how you opened and in, 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 what it was like opening the first, the second, and the third, uh, and how you learn from each one of those experiences and where you are today. So Revel Systems is a complete POS built to help grow your expanding business. I stand by Revel, and I can tell you why it's so great, but I'd rather get my man Colton Schultz, who's with Grand Junction Subs in the Craft Cave, to tell you why he loves Revel. We have been working with Revel for several years, who has partnered with us to streamline our operations. We have implemented delivery management, employee management, sales reporting, kitchen display screens, and so much more. We also utilize mobile order takers and kitchen display systems that are extremely customizable. Nice. So if there's just one thing that you love the most about Revel Systems, what would it be? It's definitely their vast reporting abilities on the back end. We utilize a lot of the reports such as speed of service, taxes, sales reports, labor reports. It's all there to help you run your business. 
Beautiful. Guys, and if you're listening to this, Revel works with businesses that are looking to implement cutting-edge technology that helps increase revenue, improve efficiencies, and enhance experience of their employees and their customers. To learn more, head over to revelsystems.com slash unstoppable. We're back, and uh, we just got got to the point where uh, we're going to start talking about how you pulled it off from the day you opened and going forward and how you evolved. So uh, how did you guys pull it off with no experience? And like, what was that those first few days like? Terrifying. Uh, Terrible. (laughs) So I never worked in a restaurant. So I don't, I mean, if you have worked in any kind of food service, you at least kind of, I don't know, know how some things work. Yeah. Which I think has served me well in some points is I don't have these bad habits and I really expect the best from everybody. But day one... I had no idea in the kitchen how to do anything. We're those people that everybody hates when they get new. Oh, I can open a restaurant. Yeah. You know, like, we're, we're, we're the people we now hate. You know, yeah. like, I mean, Buff is. I mean, obviously he can work the grill, and we knew how to do Not that. Well, no, but we did a lot of test kitchen stuff, so we kind of knew what we wanted. But a couple, maybe the second day we opened, a grill guy walked out on in the middle of a shift, and we were just like deer in the headlights. Oh my like, god! What do we do? So I mean, we, I don't want to focus on what you didn't know. Because you pulled it off. You've opened two other locations yeah. since. So let's focus on what you did do right. Okay. What, who were you? What, what is it about the two of you, Sarah and Paul, sorry, Sarah and Buff, uh, that pulled this off? Like what made you guys be – it was just a fact that you want to prove that, uh, that mofo wrong no. was that you couldn't do it? Well, at this point, too, we have a kid. Okay. Like we, ha- we yeah. have to make this work. To, yeah. We've just put ourselves in massive debt. I mean, signed our lives away. Yeah. It's got to work. For but me, I think- it was real simple for the, from the food perspective was if you just take – really good quality ingredients yeah and you don't fuck around with it that much yeah yep. right and so you take the best bun you can find the best meat you can find the best cheese you can find price it correctly communicate to your customers what you're doing should be okay okay so <laughs> during the break uh buff confessed to me that he had never cooked a burger uh prior to opening buff burger is that what you said? Yeah, I never really cooked a burger. <laughs> yeah, this is this is awesome. I'm I loving this story. We went so, into a test kitchen while we were under construction. Yeah, and we were like terrified. I yeah. made so many aiolis and split so many aiolis. Because yeah, we make so, everything from scratch. We make our mayonnaise. But, from scratch yeah. I mean, I think you're right in what you said, Buff. Is that if you keep it simple, stupid. If you keep it basic, so you don't. If you use really great ingredients, you don't have to be a great cook because all you gotta do is learn how long to cook it. Yeah, right. yeah, keep the menu simple. Yeah, so you, so you keep quality high. Exactly, and then that was really that's really what I decided. So that's one variable that allowed you to pull this off with little experience, keeping it simple, stupid. Uh, what are some other? I mean, what about just the attitude? Like, what was going on? What was the energy like in this place in the early? Well, days? I think we knew we definitely knew how we wanted Buff Burger to come across to everybody. I mean, we'd done customer service, especially like teaching skiing for so long. I think that part was easy. If he was in the kitchen and I was on the floor, I mean. I know how I want to be served my whole life, so I just did that. I just made sure everybody was happy. Everybody got the best quality food they could and just hoped that we won them over. (laughs) Yeah. So what were the biggest lessons or the biggest failures or the biggest successes that you learned from early on? I mean, failures was just organization at the beginning. Okay. You know, like the first day training, it was just, it was so bad. I mean, like, just... uh, not, I mean, the, the the morning that we opened, all my small wares, all my small bits of equipment turned up, so mixers and all that sort of stuff. But I hadn't even opened them up. I had no idea because I didn't have time. We we had to open, so I was like, okay, well, part of the training is going to be opening these damn boxes up, yeah. and <laughs> and uh, and, were, and I was like, how do I? I mean, people really want that direction. They don't want to walk into an environment where things are just mayhem. Yeah, because well, they're how, used to working mm. like big chains and it's like, here's this manual. This is exactly how we train you. Yeah. We didn't have that. Yeah. And the fact that we still have a few people that were there that day is we do. pretty impressive. Nice. <laughs> yeah. We were there that day um, when I was standing there looking blankly at everybody. Yeah. Switch because once again, I'm not a chef, so therefore I didn't, I didn't know how all the equipment worked. So you opened your second location by 2018. So what did that, that, that two and a half, three years look like? You didn't have any of the systems at first, but eventually yeah. you got them. Yeah. So how did you tackle it? How did you evolve over time? What did that look like? Hard work. I mean, a lot of trial and error. I think Buff's obsession with quality and the fact that we make everything. I mean, we, lit, we just stayed on people. We just, if there was a problem with something, we would figure it out. And, and, and that was it. This is Buff Burger's quality. If people get frustrated, they would leave. I mean, that, not customers, but I mean staff. Yeah. And the people that really appreciated that have stuck around. Okay. Resilience is, Resilience? is, yeah. is, is, is 
what we have done well. We're resilient yeah. people. But We're survivors, which is the only way yeah. to do this. Because you get people yelling at you, you get upset customers, you get bad reviews, you get, but you get positive ones too. But yeah, obviously, um, but and you know, I, I had to learn everything from the very, very beginning. I had to, I, I, I didn't know, I had to learn how to make every single thing. I mean, I got a, a, a commissary and decided I need, and now I need to learn to bake a bun now. I had no idea how to bake a bun. So, not that easy, so the by product the way. has uh, evolved over time too, because yes. you guys uh, do even your own buns from scratch. But now you're alluding that at first you you, you bought the buns. Yes, yeah, okay. we did from a local bakery. Yeah, yeah. Okay. we didn't have any space in Buff Burger Number One to bake. Buns. So what was it uh, that made you want to do the buns in house? Was it a, a control? A control I mean, or like, do you, do you, do we, are your costs lower now? Quality. quality, quality. That's the thing is art obsession with quality is what we think makes our burger better mm-hmm. and the the ingredients that we put in it and if we can make our own bun then it's our own thing if yeah. we can be the only guys in the state that make everything i mean we make everything except ketchup and mustard and we do we, make, we a make ketchup, some of our ketchup well. <laughs> but we have regular ketchup because that makes you. people panic um i hear you but you know, if we do all of that and we have the control, then it's ours. And it's going to taste different from yeah. anybody else's. So did you open the commissary before or after the second location? During. 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 So a space next door to Buff Burger Number 1 became available. Okay. It was a gluten-free bakery. Okay. So I cleansed it. It's so all right. So Buff floured <laughs> everything. Fine. Don't worry, everybody. I took zero, zero flour and I threw it around oh. the place so, it's, it just, so it performs correctly. Yeah, it was just too... <laughs> easy i mean it's next door we had no office so we had a home office running buff burger number one so we could and we were prepping everything in buff burger number one so how are we gonna if we moved prep to every restaurant how are we going to control the truffle aioli at all three locations yeah it's never it's we're not going to create this brand where everything tastes the same all the time so it was just it was right there and it was like do you want it and we couldn't say no so was that the second location or was that just the commissary those opened at the same time Okay, so you had a location uh, in what, what, what's what's the location again? The name of the second. The first lo- one. We're here. This is the. This second is lo- the second. Yeah. So the commissary is close by here. It's next. It shares a wall with the first location. Okay, I'm a little at, all over. The- it's okay. At Word and I ten. Yeah. Okay, I got yeah. you. So the the commissary is uh, right next to shares a location uh, with your original lo- yes. uh, location, and you got that right at the same time as you're opening your second. Buff yes. Burger, mm-hmm. uh, which is how far away from the first location? They are about, I think it's like six miles. Okay. So how did you know you were ready for the second location? Did you Had you worked out in your systems by this point? or? Yeah, we definitely worked out some systems. But the thing with Houston and real estate is you got to jump sometimes. Yeah. And if you find something you really like, you have to jump Make on it. Make it work. And it's it like doesn't people. happen fast. I mean, sometimes you're convincing a landlord. You know, we had seen a spot ages ago. Then we had a landlord actually come to us and say, I love Buff Burger. I've got this spot. But it takes time. Okay. Um, so we knew that. So what was the... How, t- I still am a little unclear as how the, the, the business evolved. Because uh, you had, I'm assuming, success out of the gates, right? So And, and you, you, you were evolving over time, too, over the first three years. Yeah. Because you're, you're changing, you're, you're pivoting, you're, you're uh, making the ingredients better, you're doing all these things. Like, What yeah. did that process even look like? Honestly, a lot of hard work. I mean, I don't, I don't want to tell anybody. I mean, if you're getting into a restaurant, you're going to constantly be trying to improve yourself. Yeah. Because you get great reviews, but you also get critics. And that makes, or at least us, makes you just want to continue to make something better. Like, if I can make something so good that their critics don't really have anything to critique, yeah. it would be amazing. So are you using those critiques as uh, areas to focus on? It's like, okay, like we're getting this feedback. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. This yeah, should be where we... But you can't let it distract you as well. Okay. And that's the thing. It's like, it's really hard. You, you, unfortunately, with the world, social media as it is in, in this day and age, you... Um, you, 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 you get negative. Not, you can't please all the people all the time. Yeah. I think Bob Marley so, said that. So how do you filter <laughs> out which which critiques you take to heart and act on versus... Reoccurring. The, yeah. Reoccurring. Okay. How many times would you need to see it before you took action? Uh, at the beginning, too, too, too in, not frequently. Okay. As we've been longer in it, in, a lot. You know, you need to... Sarah has a tendency to, to, to react um, to things quicker. Like, so I changed a couple of things on the menu and... 
lots of people email. Well, when you think about how many people actually come into the restaurant, very few people email. Yeah. But it feels like a lot to Sarah because she's receiving the emails. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And whereas I try and not look at emails. Okay. <laughs> you, learn, you have to have thick skin and you learn to decipher what is an actual complaint that you might need to look at or what is just someone just in a bad mood. Yeah, unreasonable. Or think they're, thinks they're a food are, critic. And often people are yelping and you know, doing all the, the, those reviews in a moment of passion. Yeah. They're angry, they're upset, they want to be heard. So, so jumping back to how you scaled the business and, 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 and improved on the systems and processes, you opened two and a half years later, uh, 2015, your second location where we're at today. Uh, how long did it take you to, to actually open the doors once you secured the property? Well, this was long. This was long. So this building is um, not like a standard shopping center shell. This is a little much more detailed building that is more of you know a, a nice site coming down. So this one took a lot longer. It was a bit delayed. So you uh, got this opportunity early into the life of the original location. Like was it two? Th- yeah. Like how like when did you guys even get the, the this person approach you and say, "Hey, I got." I a think spot it was probably me. a year in, maybe so, a little bit over a year. So you had some time to say, "Okay, we got a year and a half, two years to to get location number one humming." where we don't need to be here every day so we can go focus on opening another restaurant. I'm assuming that conversation yes. had. Yeah. So what did that process of getting location one humming look like? How did you make those improvements so you could be in two locations at once? I mean, honestly, a lot of work. I mean, we worked. he worked days. I worked a lot of nights. Always, you know, just fixing things, trying to make things work and, and have, this is how we do it. This is how we do it at so when you identified how to do it, how did you make sure it got done that way? Training managers. Training. Yeah. We took managers on very, very early on so we could, um, you know, work out how to instill those, uh, the, 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 you know, the process and everything else in them. So when we weren't there, they were a, an extension of us. Gotcha. Yeah. I think the fact that a couple of them were there from day one, they knew what we expected. They knew the quality. They knew if we got upset, why we were upset. There so wasn't you, really a reason to... So you recreated yourself in these employees and, and to the point where they... Tried. And that's one, like, you know, culture, you know, there's, there's the yin and the yang. And I like to think at one side of the yin is the, the culture, uh, the, the, the spirit, and the other side is the systems, processes, yeah. procedures. And it sounds like with the first location, like you focus on the culture and the standards of just recreating yourself and these other people, the, the same standards that you have in these other people. Yeah. And um, that's what got you into the second location. Is that safe to say? We knew we never wanted to be a one-off. Yeah. Okay. So from day one, we were never going to be, a, a, you know, and some people, that's their, their baby, their thing. Yeah. And it also depends on location and all that. So we knew that we wanted more than one. So we started from day one trying to make sure that we did not have to be in that location all the time. Gotcha. Did we stumble? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, Take yeah. us through some of the stumbles. What was um, your, your biggest failure? And now we have three. It's, 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 no, it's, it's impossible really, to be everywhere. Yeah, yeah it's impossible. Um, I think, you know, you get to a point where you feel comfortable and you maybe you attempt to leave town. I think it took a long time for us to do that. And then something happens. And, the, you know, it's just constant. And we got so, a kid as well, though, so we, we yeah. felt like they had to have some kind of normal life. In yeah. There. You know, it wasn't fair for us just to... No, you've got to trust somebody at some yes, stage. Yeah. Uh, our manager we hired first. I, knew him, I, I, I had known him since he was 16 years old. Um, I felt like I could trust him to run things when we weren't there, and we had to do that. Yeah. Know? Yeah, and but it's you, not the easiest. I mean, some people, you don't leave for a long time, and that's, that's your route, and that, that works too. But we knew that if we, didn't, if we held their hand for over a year, it was gonna, we were going to be tied. A lot so of we people, had to find that. I feel like a lot of um, owners have a tendency to micromanage and to do the jobs for the people, to create a crutch for them, and then you can't leave. Yeah. yeah. As soon as you leave, I think the other variable you pull that crutch away. Yeah, yeah. The other variable that you alluded to is that they don't extend the trust in the first place. They'll say like, "You can do this," but that trust. If you don't trust somebody, you can say you trust them, but they're going to know that you yes, don't trust yeah. them. Absolutely. So if you genuinely, authentically trust somebody, they're going to pick up on that, and they're not going to want to let you down because you yeah. extended your trust to them. And guess what? You can't – they won't I – mean, it's a two-way street. Like if you trust them, they won't trust – they will trust you. But if you don't trust them, they won't trust you. Yes. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's not my time to, to, to shine and talk here. I want to bring it back to you guys. But this is kind of like what I'm picking yes. up on you. Like the, that level of just the human element is strong here. I'm picking up on that. Oh, yeah. And yeah. you want to find the right people that 
that if you do give that trust, they take pride in that. Yeah. I mean, we've had a few people come in where they don't they don't care. Yeah. And they you know they left because they were like, oh god, this is a lot of responsibility. Yeah. They're, they're putting too much trust in me. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, let's go. So now it, we're getting closer to 2018. We're about to open the second location. Uh, Buff is like, hey, let's also do this commissary kitchen thing too. Like, take us to that point and the lessons learned from trying to do the commissary and the second location at the same time. Well, I think two delays. Like this number two, we thought was right on time and then got delayed, so we took on the commissary. Things just don't always line up. Yeah, because you're hoping to open in the fall of 2017, but you opened in the spring of 2018, yes. right? Yeah. So, so number two is delayed. You take on the commissary because you don't want to lose it. You're hoping to put in a, a line for catering. That line is going in next week. So that's, you know, things just get delayed. They get delayed yeah. in the city. Buff Burger number three, they actually finished early versus late. So two and three were should have been over a year apart. They're only eight months apart. I mean, you just got to kind of roll with it sometimes. You don't have, there's things you don't have control of. But there, but there are also, you know, then you've got cash flow problems yeah. as well that come along associated with delays things coming up on other things yeah you invest commissary in assuming you're going to have that other channel of cash flow Absolutely, and now that's yeah. not there exactly and this other thing's coming you're like oh, i committed to this other thing yeah so, so you're already spending money at that stage that's the thing so opening the second location uh six months late uh what was that location what was it like because now you had that this one opening under your belt you yeah. you have a feeling for what your systems are going to be you're recreating the same process in a different location what did you do differently or better the second time around? Well, we were probably too trusting come the second time around. <laughs> okay, what happened? Uh, I think we lost a lot of customers early on. Why? We, just not being here enough. I have a commissary and another restaurant, and so I was worried about that. And my, probably my focus was taken away with that. Um, and we had people that we, we, we thought we trusted. And, and not that they necessarily did a bad job, just that we should have been here uh, way more often I think we had our hands in too many cookie jars we at were, that point we were we had the commissary we had the first, first restaurant and we were we were heavily running into the third one by that stage yeah. as well because you so knew we that made, third one was coming mistake. like yeah. even before the second one opened right and then it, it they um, finished it early so you said you made a big mistake. What was the big mistake? I signed that? a third lease. You signed a third lease. <laughs> yeah. But you know... Because like, I had the first two restaurants, the commissary, and then I signed a fourth lease without any money. But you recovered from it. Are you still, re- are, are you still recovering from that? No, we're, 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 still- we're, we're, we're still recovering. There's no doubt about it. We've yeah. got to work. I, I, I did this to us. You know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I piled it on us. But the reason being, the reason why I did it is I feel, I feel like the industry is one of those strike while the iron's hot industries. Yeah. I feel like restaurants are flavor of the month and, and not that I think, I think that there's, there's an element of, of sustained growth over time and, and everything else. You've got to take your shot at some stage. Yeah. And that was our shot. Yeah. And if you want to scale, you have to have those elements. So it's going to be rough in the beginning, but exactly. then you have these, these tools, and these resources, you've you got to build the framework so you can then scale and have the the, yes. the support system there to to support the scaling. So we're like I said earlier, we're resilient. We've got alligator blood. Well, yeah. the, com- <laughs> the commissary was so hard to pass up too because it literally shares a wall with Buff Burger Number One. It gives me an office like yeah. right on them. Yeah. And it gives me catering abilities again right next to the other one. Which is yeah. great advertising opportunity as well. So if we had waited and then we'd have another location that wasn't actually close, to, it just would have been a whole. I don't know. It was just too hard to pass out. I got you. So uh, what was it like opening the third location? Any big lessons there going from two to three? I feel like three was more comfortable than two because I learned we learned I some lessons in two. No? For oh. two. <laughs> no, well, I was in three, so I think. <laughs> the reason why three, because we, we had to kind of scale back at that stage in terms of management and stuff. We couldn't, we, we, we couldn't uh, carry all the extra staff all that period of time because it opened up for Christmas. So it yeah. was like it was, that was a bit of stress with the hiring and all that sort of side life as well. I'm not. I'm not sure if I'm picking up. Can you, uh, so, what was what exactly was the challenge? Uh, you had the third location. Now you had more staff, and it was during mm-hmm. the time that Christmas was rolling around. So yeah, you you had this location that was ready to open, but you didn't have the staff to go into it. Yeah, right. Exactly. Okay. Yep. So we and, and, you know we didn't want to carry a bunch of extra managers. So we did have a tendency to sort of pull. We've asked a lot of our managers. They've they've responded in such an incredible fashion. One day they know they'll reap the rewards. Yeah. 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 Well, you get to a point where it's like you have no choice but to rip the Band-Aid off and just 
hope that it turns out okay. Yeah. There's not this like, you know, people, family and friends are like, oh my gosh, that's so great. You're opening, you know, and they look at you like, it's so wonderful. And I'm like terrified because you, once you have a restaurant ready to go, you have to open. Yeah. I mean, it's I don't a- know anybody that has like two weeks for fun training and maybe I'm wrong. But well, I do. Maybe. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, for like, us, it's, it's like... So, so, it, it, we did it all very, very quickly. Yeah. And that, if we had waited, we hadn't got the comments, so we waited from the second to the third, and we'd done it in a little bit more of a strategic fashion, which we were trying to do, bear in mind. They were supposed to open over a year apart. Yeah. There was supposed to be 18 months in between. But it didn't happen that way, and so therefore you, I hear you have you. to roll with the blows. But the, you, know? you know, the world almost never happens exactly the way you exactly. want it to. Uh, you have to be ready for that. You have to be willing to to settle for what actually happens not settle yeah. but like the situation uh like six months between two locations uh so like that, that's a real challenge um knowing what you know now if you could reflect back at the past uh four years uh the, the 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 best things you did and the biggest mistakes you had like what were the best things you did first like looking back at what you where you are now what, what did you do right well if it all works out then then growing that fast is great yeah <laughs> Um, I mean, I think that I think that the commissary was the right decision. I think it's really going to pay off, hopefully. Yeah, but I, think I, think be, I think I think that will end up looking like a really smart decision someday, eventually. <laughs> well, because we because we make everything, and that is kind of our mantra versus the other guys. And as long as we can get that in front of our customers, like this is why we feel like Buff Burger is a better choice. Then I think it will all. I, and I think that's worth going into because you guys actually do a really great job with that brand in communicating your unique selling proposition of this is what separates us. Yeah, we do everything scratch in house because of quality is the most important thing, and our purchasing values. Not only are, are we purchasing from local farms mm-hmm. and this is the best product, but we're helping small businesses and and the, the everything's better because of that. It just yes. feels right. I think the other thing that you guys do really well is you charge what it's worth. And I think a lot of people will try to do the, they'll try to provide value, but they'll also want to create more perceived value by not making any money off of the product. Yeah. But it's, are, you guys seem like you're pretty hard set on your margins. Uh, like you have, like what, take us through that process of how you establish your prices. So we didn't have, well, that's the kind of, I mean, pricing is always, is always a questionable thing because you don't, you want to make sure someone's willing to pay for it, but you have to show them why you know, they're willing to pay for it. I think we listened to our customers over the last couple of years. We used to not, we used to just sell our burgers. Now we offer a side. Um, and that just kind of evolved by listening and seeing what people wanted. And I think we've got pretty good feedback now. People are willing to pay a little bit more for us to create kind of a meal and tell them this is, you know, we think you'll really enjoy this whole combination. Yes. Yeah. Our conversations revolve a lot around value because it's hard because the quality of ingredients make... I don't want to say compromises, but there is a compromise on maybe size or um, price. Texans, um, are, they're, they're, they're a value bunch. It's a, often, you know, it's, it's a lot about um, a nice big portion for a decent price. Well, yeah, you but know, you, you, run into. you have the burger, the quality burger, that it's a decent size burger for, I think it's like $9, right? And then you also have the fries, but you... You, I think the you charge I think two nine two ninety five for the fries, but you're getting a monster portion of fries. Oh, it's right. big, yeah. So yeah. You, yeah. you're picking up that value added portion in something like potatoes, where you have bigger margins, or yeah. not necessarily big margins, but the lower cost. So you can get that value added there. Um, was that intentional? Like, take us through that thought process. Is that where you're trying to add, like? I mean, obviously the high quality products with the the, the just the, the sourcing, but then the the added value with portions. With That's the exactly yes, it. yeah, exactly. That gotcha. was, that was our, our absolute idea of adding, you know, the fries. But we, we also you have you can have tater tots, but it's a hand. It's not a regular tater tot. It's a handmade. Yeah, you know, handmade tater tot. Got gotcha. um, And we feel like we feel like. I don't know about you, but when I go out for a... I, I feel a little cheap when I just have a burger. Like I feel like I'm not totally satisfied. I always want the fries and a milkshake or a milkshake, but certainly one or the other, you know? Yeah. <laughs> awesome. So uh, what's the future look like? How, uh, do you have plans to open the, the, the fourth and fifth location to justify the, the commissary? Is that coming down the pipeline? Yeah, we'll have to. Yeah, absolutely. I keep deferring the broker's emails away from Bob. <laughs> like, no, you can't see this site because we need a... 
I'm, a, I mean, I'm a little aggressive and I need to start probably. Yeah. No, I think, I think the commissary is going to make it all make so much more sense because we had to figure out how to grow and make everything. So what things are going to be different? Uh, the, the things that you're going to make sure you, uh, you uh, adjust, or not adjust for, but it sounds like the fir- during the, from, from two to three, um, you had committed to that space. So you would have liked to have maybe trained up a few more people to have a few more people on your team uh, to, to transfer over to the, the next location. What are you going to do differently from going from three to four? Uh, what hard things did you put in place to make sure you don't experience the same challenges and pains that you did previously? I think we just feel like we're could contr- we can we're more aware and control. I've learned so much and control everything. We learned so much more about construction, how much time everything takes. Um, same thing with training. How much time do we really need and how, and how to do it? I mean, yeah. now we know what we want people to do. It's much easier to train somebody this is exa- you know how we want it to work in a buff burger yeah plus as we've gotten bigger with the commissary we're a lot more aware of the things we can control we control labor we can control food costs and those are things we have now we have got to hone in on all the time mm-hmm. beautiful uh so anything that we haven't discussed yet any key lessons any not bombs of knowledge you can drop on us before going to the speed round Lessons, cash flow, cash flow, cash yeah. flow, cash flow. Dive into cash flow and why it's so important. How you manage it's just, it. You know, it's just one of those things. You, 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 it's, a, it's a life source of you. You know, you, when things, when you haven't planned things out, when, you, no, when, when the ability to plan things out are taken away from you, and then you close for a couple of days over Christmas, and then you open a new store over Christmas, then you carry a whole lot of staff before you open the next location. You realize that that $40,000 working capital that the bank gave you goes away pretty quick. Yeah. I mean, overestimate. And restaurants always overestimate. Something is yeah. always breaking. But what factor? What, what factor do you think we should overestimate by? I don't know. How much? Like, I just think if somebody's going to try to give you more money, take it. Right. <laughs> so, whatever you but have don't in, overspend. Whatever you have in mind, double or triple it if you can. Yeah. I, I think this, I think this is absolutely right. Um, you don't want to give away too much of your business. No one does. Yeah. But for your own mental stability, sanity, and everything else, I think that t- 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 giving away a little bit more to have, a, to have, to have some peace of mind yeah. is really worthwhile. I mean, that's the most stressful thing, I think, we, about restaurants is cash flow. We, we fought to keep... We own 85% of the business in the two of us. We, fought to keep, we, f- we have fought to keep as much as we possibly can, but it has taken its toll on you know just the other other parts of our life we've had to we've really had to work hard and um that's fine but you know it's not for everybody (laughs) Uh, i've loved this conversation and i think it's really inspiring to for anybody who's listening to us who's in the same situation you were in going back five years ago or even longer now uh, yeah like seven years ago um that they don't have any experience in the industry you can still pull it off if you put your nose down and you you uh, improve every day and you surround yourself with good people that you can trust and, and you just slowly just get better every day yeah. like you can you can make it happen you can pull it off and make friends and, with like sorry one of the biggest things I think we when we got into this industry and with social media I felt like there was this restaurant crew in town that I knew nothing about we were never chefs we were never in the industry there's just like this whole world I knew nothing click, about right? yeah. and if you start meeting people and introducing yourselves we've met so many other Restaurateurs, yes. I mean, share vendors, share uh, just all kinds of stuff. Um, and if you're married to some to someone and you open a restaurant, you can email us. <laughs> like <laughs> we meet with other people that are couples That's, in town because yeah. you need support. I mean, it's you work and you live and your whole life is wrapped up into one. That's a I'm I'm so happy you went there to, to <laughs> kind of round off the the, the end of this free flowing uh, portion of the conversation. Yeah, like don't look at your your uh, competition. As actual competition, no, like, no. There's friendly competitions, good, but approach yeah. them, uh, let them know, like reach out to them, surround yourself with other business owners, yes. especially experienced business owners. Like they, they can, they sympathize with you. They, they were young and you know new to the industry at one time too. They know what yeah. it's like. I've they, never met anyone we've talked to, and we've we've approached some really big guys that we've accidentally run into. Nobody's ever turned us. I mean, they're always happy to talk to you about something because they know how hard it is. What's the biggest lesson you've learned from a mentor, somebody that you approach to... From what? What's From a mentor, what's the biggest lesson you've learned? (laughs) I think Buffs was. We talked to a guy that owns quite a few big restaurants and he was like, stop trying to ever make your managers you. Nobody's ever going to be you. They can be the the best that they can be and you can, you know, train them, but not not one employee is going to be you and Buff. Yeah. 
I mean, no one's ever going to care. You give up trying because, you know. Yeah. So what do and you don't do to compensate for that? You. I think just train the best you can train. Obviously, by ha- this sounds really silly, but le- and I don't know if it works, but I think it does. By having a female as one part, yep. I almost tried my best to make them... And it's true. The ones that have been here, they really do feel for us. Like this is, yes, it's a business and we chose it, but it's not like there's just this random boss that's just yapping at you all the time. Like they really know that like we care about them. We want them to succeed and I want them to do the best for us. And I think that that helps in our training. I love it. So what's, give me one uh, way you guys have transformed. So the, the mission statement is to inspire, empower, and transform the industry. How have you two, Sarah and Buff, transformed over the past four years besides gaining 20 pounds (laughs) and losing a lot of sleep Um, I think we trust each other a whole lot I think we've learned what each one of us is good at and kind of let that other person that's your thing this is your thing you know you do that and stop trying to micromanage each other and there's some things that he does not need my input on and I just I don't. He knows better than I do about certain things, and I just, you know, yeah. I, you have to listen. Buff, do you want to chime into that that level of transformation over the past five years? How have you transformed? Yeah, yeah. We, we we're very different people. I think than those naive people that got in on the first one. Yeah, you know, where ignorance was bliss. Let me tell you something. You don't want you don't want to you don't want to know too much. Yeah, <laughs> the, the little you know, the better, because otherwise, I think it, I think it's one of those things that you just. If you think too much about it, you won't do it. You know, That's not a reason not to do it. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say, everybody you that know? owns a restaurant know. Well, I mean, I would hope. But at some point, it becomes your other child. And, like, you would never want to do anything else. Yeah. You it's know, the it's best business in the world. There's no yeah. doubt about it. I absolutely love being in it. I love serving people. That's my favorite part is <laughs> yes. serving people food. I love it. I have nothing to add to that. I've loved this conversation. We're going to take a quick break to thank our sponsors. And we'll be right back. So this probably does not come as a surprise to you, but as you can imagine, I look at a lot of restaurant websites because I'm constantly researching my next guest, successful restaurateurs, and you'd be surprised how many of those people have bento box websites. I mean, I almost know instantly when looking at these websites because they're always so stunning and they always check every box, everything that a good restaurant website should have. These websites have them, and it's because they're going to Bento Box to get the work done. And not only will Bento Box leave a lasting impression with your guests, but Bento Box websites come with hospitality-focused tools that are proven to drive revenue online. With Bento Box, you can easily update menus, promote events, share press, sell gift cards, take catering orders, and book private events directly from your website. Bento Box puts you in control so you can focus on what matters most, your restaurant. Bring your restaurant's hospitality online with bento box by signing up today at getbento.com slash unstoppable and save up to $1,500 on initial setup for your new restaurant website. It's the entrepreneurial myth, and I'm sure you're familiar with it. It's the idea that when you open your own restaurant, life is going to get easy because you get to do exactly what it is that you love, whether that's front of house or back of house. And then reality kicks in, right? You've got to do all this other stuff that comes with owning a business like taxes, HR, payroll, really boring stuff. That's where Gusto comes in. Gusto makes payroll, taxes, HR actually easy for small business. And if you want to add on 401k or health benefits, it's a breeze. Those old school clunky payroll providers just were not built for the modern small business. Not to mention, you've got to compete with the big guys. But how do you compete with the big guys when you don't have big guy bucks? Well, with Gusto, that's how. Get back to doing what it is you love and let Gusto handle the rest. And because you are Restaurant Unstoppable listeners, you'll get your first three months free when you run your first payroll. That's Gusto.com slash Unstoppable. Again, Gusto.com slash Unstoppable. We're back, and the first question I have for you is what are your it factors, habits, traits, characteristics you believe most contribute to your success? Ladies first. Sarah, go for it. Oh, my gosh. I um, I think... Serving people how you like to be served makes it so much easier. Okay, and uh, what's your it factor there, Buff? It, my it factor, what, what, um, quality. Quality, yeah. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> quality oh, control. That would be really helpful. I like it. I love it. Uh, yeah. what, what is your biggest weakness? Buffs is growing too fast. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, That's a... I think, I, I don't know. I think spending money, you have to spend money to make money. I yeah. think sometimes, I'm sure people have been in this for years, like fix their own equipment. Cheap. I don't know how to do that. You got to be cheap. cheap you are not cheap. People. No, but cheap comes across though as well. You see, yeah. that's the problem. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, so it's, it's a balancing act. What is one thing you look for uh, when you're building your team uh, or hiring? When you're doing that interview process, what do you look for? Grit. Grit? Yeah. I like it. Uh, do you want to add to that, Sarah? No, I think that's it. Yeah. What is your biggest challenge today? Cash flow. Cash, Cash flow. flow. How are you handling that challenge? Drinking. <laughs> <laughs> what, share one code of conduct or behavior you teach your team. This is a core value, a way to be, a way to act. That we teach our staff? Yeah. Oh, gosh. Um, we go over and over again about like the, the way our trays look, the quality of our food, and how visually everything needs to look. And then I think front of the house is... I'm always on people about being nice and kind and checking on people. What's one book that will make us a better person or restaurant owner, operator? One book that will make us a better person or restaurant owner or operator? A book. Good book. Yeah. Mr. Shake Shack Man's book's pretty good. Mr. Shake Shack, you talk about uh, setting the table? Danny 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 Meyer. Yeah. Yeah. What was was the biggest lesson from that book? Um, uh, Service and... um, uh, hospitality being two different functions, mm. um, and w- well, one's a function and one's yeah. the way you make people feel. Yeah, uh, and uh, it, it, and he he did it with Shake Shack, right? Yeah. He, he started with some really fancy restaurants and ended up putting it into a hamburger joint. And he's managed; he's really managed to pull that 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 level of hospitality across. Absolutely. What is one thing you feel restaurateurs don't do well enough or often enough? It's hard to be critical of anybody that's in this business, I tell you. Yeah. You love them all, like right. brothers and sisters. Right? And every, t- <laughs> every time we go into a restaurant, like if I see something, I never, I, I cannot be critical because yeah. that owner isn't ex- has no idea that staff members doing that or would never tell them to do that or whatever. Yeah, yeah. that owner, that, that restaurateur wants their guests to have the best possible experience when they come into their restaurant. People that, people that write Yelp reviews don't realize, I'm not trying to wrong you. I want to increase sales. So therefore, I want you to have the best experience possible. So when you see you know, things going on at people's restaurants, I, I, I sympathize. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what is one piece of technology you've adopted over the past five years that has had a huge influence on operations? Cameras. Cameras. <laughs> is there a company specifically you went with to, uh, no. for a solution? No. And let me tell you, when you call a manager every couple nights and tell them to put an apron on, they like <laughs> They don't want to hear from you, so they and they stop the doing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this is the last question. It's a doozy. Get ready for it. It's a long question too. So here it comes. If you got the news, you'd be leaving this world tomorrow. All the memories of you, your restaurants, your businesses would be lost with your departure. With the exception of three pieces of wisdom, three things you know to be true about your success. What would those three pieces of wisdom be that you could leave behind for the good of the, the industry and uh, for your legacy? Three business information. Believe in yourself. That's one. Work your ass off. That's two. <laughs> oh, be- really, really, really believe in the people around you. That's the people true. that make you successful. Beautiful. You know, the, the these managers, the, the, it's humbling how hard they work for you. Yes. Yeah, yeah. nobody does this. By the- I mean, even I'll the guy you, cooking your burgers. I'll tell you is- something. I'll tell you something. This is a hard, hard industry in terms of the number of hours you have to give to the end social hours, the time you have away from your family. Um, and you're not, you're not paid like a CEO for it. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, that, that's a humbling thing. Sarah Buff, thank you guys so much for taking the time to welcome me into your restaurant, to share your story, to get real and honest and open and just raw. Uh, these aren't easy questions. This, is a, this isn't an easy interview, and you guys handle it really well. Uh, just thank you so much. We wrap up every conversation by calling somebody out. So who's one independent restaurant operator, somebody you two really admire and believe would be a great guest on the show? Ronnie Killen. I think. Ronnie uh, Killen. Aaron Lyons. And Aaron, I yeah, got Aaron. Aaron Lyons. Yeah, definitely. You got Aaron's on the show yesterday. Yeah. Aaron Did you? Already. Yeah. Oh, he's, he he awesome. is. So we've reached out to him before, and he is, I mean, he's a man to listen to. Nick yeah. Wynn from uh, Lua doing an amazing job down there. Yeah. The other end of this building. 
Beautiful. First time restaurateur, never open a restaurant either. Wow. So Look out, easy. guys. I'm coming after you. I'd love to get you on the show. And let the folks at home know, how can we connect with you? You already mentioned it. If anybody wants to reach out to you, feel free to. What's the best way to connect? Um, you can go to our website and email me off the contact, and they all come to me. Beautiful. So, they all go to Sarah. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> not so you, you, you don't want me. You don't want me. <laughs> but if you want to reach him, email me, and I will pass it along. <laughs> so just head over to restaurantunstoppable.com, and I'll have a summary of today's discussion, as well as a link to any tools, services, books, uh, contact information shared on the show will be all in the show notes again Sarah and Buff thank you guys so much for taking the time to share your story your knowledge your mentorship there is no questioning you are unstoppable thank you so much thank, thank you. you cheers all right there we go another episode in the archive here at restaurant unstoppable i hope you all found value before i let you go i have to remind you please sign up for the restaurant unstoppable email list that is where you will never miss an episode and you get the behind the scenes of what's going on here where i'm at what's on my mind and what the future of restaurant unstoppable looks like and you can have an influence on that don't forget to connect on social media that's slash restaurant unstoppable on facebook and at eric cacciatore e-r-i-c-c A-C-C-I-A-T-O-R-E on Instagram. But the most important thing you can do to support this mission of inspiring, empowering, and transforming our industry is by sharing this sucker with anybody and everybody you know who's aspiring to be great in the industry. All right. Thank you so much for sticking around this long. Until next time, peace out.